This episode is brought to you by Salt and Strings Butchery in Southern Illinois. Order your custom beef today by visiting saltandstrings.com or use the link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Barbell Logic, the premier online coaching service for barbell strength training. Get your first month free by signing up at barbelllogic.com slash hardmen or use the link in the show notes. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn, and excited to be talking to you today about sexual distinction and in particular why hair length matters. Uh, this was something that I had discussed on Twitter, caused quite the Twitter firestorm. So we're going to be unpacking that today, talking about why some of these things do in fact matter, why sexual distinction matters, why it is important in regards to things like how men and women act, what they wear, and including their hair length. So we're going to be talking about that in this episode. But first, I do want to make you aware, if you have not yet seen this, there is a Hardman Slonk Eggs coffee mug. You can buy this in the store at ericcon.com for $24.95, or you can sign up on Patreon to be a supporter of this show for $10 a month, and the Hardman Slonk Eggs coffee cup is yours. It's yours, I promise. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you have not yet. Think about becoming a Patreon supporter. Definitely goes a long way to supporting the work of this show. Myself, Brian Sauvey, Pastor Brian, Pastor Dan Burkholder, Ben Garrett. We are working hard on this project of building New Christendom and New Christendom Press. I am employed here now full-time as the CEO of New Christendom Press. And we have Ben Garrett working for us, so we definitely need your support to see that this work is furthered. We're excited about it and we appreciate every dollar. Every dollar counts. So again, I would encourage you if this content has benefited you, if it's blessed you and you feel so led, then please uh, consider joining on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes to join on Patreon. Again, if you sign up for $10 or more at the $10 a month or more tier, you can get a Hard Men's Long Eggs coffee cup. The other thing I want to make you aware of is it is a great month to sign up for Barbell Logic. You've heard me talking about that on this show. I started a couple months ago. I had my, my deadlift and my squat were at like 180 pounds when I started. And Matt Reynolds, who's my coach, was like, bro, you need to get stronger. How many of us need to get stronger? Well, Barbell Logic is offering this month. If you sign up, you get the first month for free. And I've seen huge improvement just through the coaching. I wasn't sure what to expect uh, with the coaching. Why do I need a coach? I can just watch YouTube videos. Well, apparently my form was terrible and I wasn't very strong, particularly on deadlift and squat. So I started that with Matt. Again, I started at like 185 pounds. Now I'm up over 315 on squat and deadlift bench press. I don't know. I think the last time I did it, it was like 225 pounds, four uh, sets of five uh, so Max is getting up there past 230, which is really exciting. Honestly, I never thought I would get there. Uh, Matt told me, we'll get you over 300, no problem. And then we'll keep pushing, getting you stronger. The coaching was absolutely paramount to that. So if you do want to sign up for Barbell Logic, I'd encourage you to check out the link in the show notes. Sign up now. March is a beautiful, wonderful month to start your barbell strength training program. 
It will make you a stronger man. And as I've said, strength ties directly to longevity and health span. So it's a great way to improve the overall quality of your life. By the way, not just for men. Uh, They do have some female trainers as well. And it's also important for women to be strong and, uh, of course, to live as long as possible. One other thing I want to make you aware of before we jump into the show is what we'll be discussing on the after hours of this episode. That is Patreon exclusive content. We're going to be having a discussion about Ryan Holiday's book, which is titled The Obstacle is the Way. The Obstacle is the Way. This is one of my favorite books. It's one that I constantly return to in the midst of adversity to help me gain a better perspective about how I think about my trials and to develop a resolved course of action from there so that I can practice gratitude and really to see, as the book teaches, how do you make your adversities into really what they are, which is opportunities? How do you see them as the opportunities that they are? I'm going to talk about this in the after hours. We'll talk about suffering, adversity, again, how your trials are advantages not just setbacks, but how are they actually bettering you? I'll talk about how you can leverage adversity to grow stronger. We'll talk about the specific tools and mental habits you can employ to reframe your trials in a way that allows you to escape paralysis. And then finally, I'll share a recent experience I've been dealing with and how I use the principles and the obstacle is the way to go from paralyzed with doubt and fear to a position of resoluteness, tenacious, action-oriented, and hopeful in my outlook. How do we do that? We'll talk about it In the after hours, again, that episode will be exclusive to Patreon supporters. And finally, and we have two finalies. Yes, I'm aware of that. But I was a Southern Baptist seminary student. So as any good Southern Baptist, you get at least three finalies when you are speaking. So finally, finally, I do want to make you aware, March 15th, we have the launch of a new show in our new Christendom Press stable And that is a show my friends Ben and Brian have been working on called Haunted Cosmos. They're going to be talking about high strangeness and some really incredible stuff, including Mothman, sea monsters, and more. I've listened to the episodes. My skin was tingling. I got super engaged. It's going to be a really exciting launch uh, mid-March. So be paying attention to that. There's going to be more information, also a Patreon channel where you can get access to all the episodes upon launch. So be looking out for that as well. And now without further ado, we'll jump into the main episode. Recently, I posted on Twitter the following. Nature is clear. Women ought to have long hair and men short. Long hair on a woman is her glory. Long hair on a man is a disgrace. And of course, I was paraphrasing the Apostle Paul, who in 1 Corinthians 11 said this. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given her for a covering. Well, not surprisingly, the post caused no small kerfuffle. As of the recording of this podcast, the post has well over 900,000 views, got something like 700 plus quote tweets, and plenty of hate from the cat lady she hers on Twitter. Even uh, even Phil Vischer, my friend, I'm using that term very loosely, my friend Phil Vischer of VeggieTales fame, well, Phil stopped by to say that Paul was only remarking about cultural standards that are now outdated. Scott Pressler, who's a GOP vote-getter with over 1 million followers, was one of the people who responded to the tweet with a picture 
And he said, I feel personally attacked. Of course, the picture was of him shaking the hand of another woman with short hair. And her hair was cut just below the ears. His hair, of course, if you see the photo of Scott, is, I don't know, somewhere near the bottom of his rib cage. Likewise, another Twitter personality whom I actually never knew of until, until this incident, his name is John Pavlovitz. He has something north of 400,000 followers. Uh, anyway, he responded, he said, Jesus had long hair and he wore a flowing robe and sandals. P.S. You're overcompensating. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, leftist Twitter. I love them all. I'll talk about that claim in just a moment uh, about Jesus having long hair, but it is interesting to consider Pavlovitz's biography. According to the bio on his website, this is what it says. He is, John is a writer, a pastor. He's an activist from Wake Forest, North Carolina. He's a 25-year veteran in the trenches of local church ministry. John is committed to equality, diversity, and justice, both inside and outside of faith communities. Okay, first of all, the trigger words here. Definitely a hardcore leftist. Back to his bio. When not actively working, I, I have to read it in this voice. When not actively working for a more compassionate planet, John enjoys spending time with his family, exercising, cooking, and having time in nature. He is the author of the book, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. Well, first of all, I find it very interesting. John did not take his own advice from the book title because he was a jerk in the comments, but it was good for entertainment purposes at least. And besides John, there was a horde of people that I, well, a lot of them I had to block. It was like the transgender flag, Ukraine flag, and the rainbow flag, which, by the way, always seem to go together. Many of them were she, hers, and they, thems, or she, gems, or gender fluids, or non-binary folks with pictures of, well, cats all over their Twitter profile pages. Also, probably not surprising to you, there were quite a few conservative Christians who wondered why I would be quote-unquote majoring on such minors as hair length. A lot of people actually responded, and I think they didn't realize at first that I was quoting Paul, and so there was a lot of claims of me being misogynistic and whatnot. This also is not surprising when you think about it. The church, after all, has been catechized by the culture and as such lacks any meaningful distinctiveness when it comes to biblical sexual ethics. And what I mean is that the, the culture of sexual ethics and the sexual ethics of the church are vastly identical in so many ways that they shouldn't be. Now, I also want to add, ask a question at this point. What's at stake in this conversation? Was I just trying to get people riled up? Well, this is sort of a, a, a disclaimer, I guess, behind the scenes, what was really going on in Eric's life. Well, it's, it's going to be earth shattering. I was actually just reading through the Bible and I read 1 Corinthians 11 and I read Paul's comments and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I'll share that on Twitter. And then everything blew up. I had no idea it was going to cause such an uproar. So was I trying to be the guy hitting the hornet's nest? Actually, in this case, not really. But again, what's at stake in this conversation? It's not at all surprising that a mob of anti-Trump, woke, and sexually confused leftists took issue with the post. As a result of all of that, I was called a Christo-fascist, a wannabe member of the Taliban, and other such things that, if I were to say them here, I would probably get an actual explicit rating for this episode. And there were a number of people asking, uh, well, I don't know, there was like a thousand people that I blocked who all asked if my show was actually just about male genitalia. 
But at the heart of the issue is really this. People inside and outside of the church cannot tolerate clear lines and honest conversation about sexual distinction, right? This is where people just lose their minds. When you start talking about men and women being, hold your breath, men and women being different, right? They cannot stand when you say men and women are different and it should show up in the way that we dress and wear our hair. People do not like this. We've been trained to see such sexual distinctiveness as inherently bigoted, hateful, and intolerable. Again, what's under attack is not simply the length of hair, but sexual distinction itself. And by the way, that is precisely what Paul is trying to convey. The length of hair is important because it is a clear statement about sexual distinction, and it ought to be different among men and women. Hair length is not insignificant. As Bible commentator Matthew Henry notes on the passage, quote, Judge in yourselves, consult your own reason, hearken to what nature suggests. Is it comely for a woman to pray to God uncovered? Should there not be a distinction kept up between the sexes in wearing their hair, since nature has made one? Is it not a distinction which nature has kept up among all civilized nations? The woman's hair is a natural covering. To wear it long is a glory to her. But for a man to have long hair or to cherish it is a token of softness and effeminacy. Note, it should be our concern, especially in Christian and religious assemblies, to make no breach upon the rules of natural decency. End quote. Now, I think Ma Matthew Henry is actually on the money here. Men and women are sexually distinct, and their hair lengths should reflect this distinction. If we can agree on nothing else, we ought to be able to agree on this principle. It applies to a number of issues, including societal and familial roles, dress, demeanor, and yes, hairstyles. But the central issue in all of it is that men and women are different. I know, I know, men and women are different, and the external manifestations of their sex should play out in their behavior, in their apparel, and in their societal roles. Henry Van Til said that culture is religion externalized. We could easily amend this to say that clothing and hairstyles, which are a part of culture, are also religion externalized. Clothing and hairstyles reflect what we worship. We can also say that clothing and hair are language. That is to say, before we even utter a word, our dress and bodily appearance are making a statement. They are communicating something significant about us to other people. When there's a sea of pink-haired, overweight women marching in the city streets, for example, it's easy for us to make a guess at their political convictions. It's probably not a Charlotte Mason homeschooling convention that you're witnessing. Instead, we rightly suppose they are likely an LGBT horde who wants the right, quote-unquote, to butcher babies in the womb and to chop off their sexually distinct genitalia. We know all this well before we read their signs or hear what's coming out of their mouths. In the midst of such sexual chaos, the Christian community ought to stick out like a sore thumb because of the way it dresses, among other things, and the way it styles its hair. This sticking out is also like taking a breath of clean, cool mountain air after you've been inhaling the smog of a place like, oh, I don't know, Beijing. Modesty and beauty is a glorious flower in the midst of a barren wasteland of rank disgustingness. On any given Sunday at Refuge Church, for example, you would know almost immediately that you weren't at a gay pride rally or at the local summertime car show in downtown Ogden. You would know it because people have clothes covering their bodies, 
and the hair isn't butch or pink or shaved off completely on the women. There would be no Daisy Dukes or braless tank tops or exposed midriffs. There would be no ladies dressed as cats holding hands. It is entirely appropriate that this is the case, since, as Paul says, long hair on women is glorious, and nature itself teaches us this lesson. He also calls women to modestly adorn themselves, which excludes these tiny little shorts wedged up into private places for the whole world to see. You'd know something was different before a passage of scripture was even read or a prayer offered or anyone said a word. Again, how would you know? Well, because the women have adorned themselves with flowing locks of gloriously and skillfully styled hair, which sticks out like a sore thumb in a culture that insists on elevating everything that is ugly and fat and disgusting and radioactively colored. Hair, it turns out, really is doing a lot of speaking. Back now to the Twitter hair debacle. Oddly enough, in trying to reject Paul's argument, Scott Pressler actually proves the point I'm trying to make. His long hair signifies his effeminacy and gives him a soft bearing. A quick perusal through his Twitter feed confirms this. He is, in fact, a homosexual who enjoys wearing leggings and female-cut tops that expose his upper chest. His inner self is being broadcast in external ways, such as his hair length. He wears skinny jeans tucked into his cowboy boots. He talks with a lisp. He poses in leggings, and he is, in fact, a sodomite. Am I making all of this up? Am I reading into it? Well, no, I'm not. According to a recent Daily Caller headline, quote, Scott Pressler is a young gay Republican from Virginia Beach who spent the last two years of his life working to defeat Hillary Clinton. He's a human rights activist and the vice chairman of the Virginia Beach Young Republicans. Now, it's at this point, it's worth noting out that so many people in the conservative movement, this is what we've, this is what we're left with, right? People say, oh, well, you know, he, yeah, sure, he's gay, but he's conservative. Well, that doesn't really help our cause, and we'll see why. I also want to tie this to something that John Piper has written about, and I agree with him. And he says this about Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians 11. Did nature teach the Corinthians that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? Yes, it did. Nature did because the God-designed healthy male soul revolts against clothing himself in symbols of femininity, just like the God-designed healthy female soul revolts against presenting herself as a man. This revolt from nature is a God-given teacher, end quote. Well, this is yet another helpful point that Piper is making. Not only does nature teach men that they ought to be distinct from women in the way they wear their hair, dress, behave, etc., it also teaches them that having a gag reflex toward effeminacy or other forms of blurring sexual distinction is appropriate. You should have a gag reflex. Godly men should be revolted by the thought of taking on hair or clothing styles that are inherently feminine. And godly women should be revolted by acting or dressing in a manly way. Recently, I was watching the latest Ant-Man Avengers movie, Quantumania with my boys, in the theater. Now, in the first two movies, Evangeline Lilly, who is one of the actresses, has quite lovely and long hair. It was appropriately feminine. But for the third movie, she cut it mannishly short and now looked like, I don't know, a young Bob Dylan, maybe with a little bit less LSD. It was the first thing in the movie that each of my boys noticed and commented on in the movie theater. They all said things like, oh man, look at how disgusting her hair is. It used to be so beautiful. Why would you butcher your hair like that? She looks like a man. Now, because our culture has been making war on sexual distinction 
for at least 100 years, we tend to notice things like butch or mannish haircuts a lot less. But when you've been living in the Christo-fascist bubble of refuge community, I guess it is, in other words, when the glory of sexual distinction is obediently embraced, well, you happen to notice these things, and your children notice them because we've been catechized differently. What so many are trying to deny is what nature makes inescapable, namely that sexual distinction exists at all, and that these distinctions show up in objective standards. In trying to escape this reality, however, they end up proving that sex distinctions are real and that they matter. This is why when a woman goes trans, she cuts off her hair or dyes it pink and starts wearing mannish, baggy clothing that is meant to hide her feminine form. In fact, she is making a statement and she knows this. It's why sodomites start talking with a lisp and gesticulating like women. They're bearing witness to nature and the very act of trying to deny it. A man who takes on effeminate bearing is confessing that men and women should act in certain ways, that they should carry themselves in certain ways, and even that they should speak and use their limbs in conversation in different ways. If sex distinctions aren't real and they don't matter, why make such a concerted effort to act like the opposite sex? I want to talk now about the history of hair. I want to address in particular this argument that John Pavlovitz, as well as other people, had posed. And it's this, that Jesus had long hair. Historically and factually, this is, of course, false. According to one article, quote, In the Bible, there aren't any verses describing Jesus' hair. However, there are verses that describe how Jewish men took care of their hair according to the Old Testament law. Based on these verses, Jesus likely had neatly trimmed black hair, long sideburns, and a beard. Long hair was certainly an exception, and most Jewish men had shorter hair. And by the way, I also looked this up on Slate. This is from a different article. It says this, It is very unlikely that the Jesus hairstyle shown in religious icons has anything to do with his actual coiffure. A Roman triumphal arc from the era depicts enslaved Jews with short hair, and one of the earliest images that scholars think could be Jesus, which appears on a 3rd century chapel at Dura Europas in modern Syria, also shows men with short hair. The early Christian evangelist Paul wrote, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Paul may never have seen Jesus in the flesh, but he would have known the popular hairdos of the time. The classic image of a bearded, long-haired Jesus emerged as a favorite in the 6th century. Early Christians painted Jesus' hair in many different ways, long or short, curly or straight, bearded or clean-shaven. There's even a bald Jesus on display in the British Museum. The artists probably weren't attempting to create a historically accurate image of the man. The New Testament offers virtually no physical description of him, so they would have based the portraits on their own diverse ideas of what a god should look like. Some philosophers, like St. Augustine, appreciated the diverse ways of portraying the incarnate Jesus. He thought ineffability was more consistent with divinity. It's easy to paint a man, he argued, but hard to paint a god. End quote. So, just to wrap up this part of the conversation, did Jesus have long flowing hair? Well, the answer seems to be a universal and obvious no. Some people argue that short hair on men didn't happen until the 20th century, but as the article above notes, it was typical of the Roman era for men to wear short hair. Now, one other thing that was mentioned in the Twitter uh, response back and forth on this post was that Samson had long hair, and Samson was manly, so what, what gives? Well, we have to remember that Samson was also under a Nazarite vow, as was John the Baptist, 
which means they were the exception, not the rule. And in this case, the exception proves the rule. Men typically had short hair. They cut their hair. Likewise, beards were worn longer by men in Jewish culture, while hair was not. Beard length and hair length are separate issues in the Old Testament and should be treated as such. Now, practically, what is the appropriate length for men and for women? What what constitutes long? What constitutes short? Well, this is admittedly harder to nail down uh, because we don't get a, say, an inch length for the appropriateness of men and women's hair. How long is too long? Paul doesn't give us a specific length, and I think it's actually helpful that he doesn't. Instead, what we do know is that Paul is highlighting male and female distinctiveness, which shows up in the way that hair is worn. So, as so many people charge, am I advocating a high and tight or, or crew cuts for all men? Obviously not. Even at our school at St. Brennan's um, here in Utah, we have a restriction that boys' hair not be worn below the shoulder. I think that's probably the outer edge of the boundary. Nobody even comes close to that. But I, again, I do think it's a pretty good, uh, helpful outer limit of what is acceptable by way of boundaries. Now, in actual practice, no male in the school has hair covering their ears. So nobody, again, nobody's even coming close to this. And women's hair should be worn longer. We know this. Uh, again, by based on what Paul is saying, but also the history of hair. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But the overall thing is distinction. Um, we've, in, in, the, in the past, in churches I've been a part of, we've all been in those situations where you, you see someone and you're not sure if it's a man or a woman. Well, these would be the obvious cases where you say, okay, well, the hair is, it's, it's confusing. The language of the hair is confusing. And it's usually because a man has really long, flowy hair or a woman has a butch haircut. I remember working retail one time and uh, a, a black woman pulled up to the store, but you know, was dressed like a man had completely short hair, like a man would have. And uh, I made the uh, faux pas. I walked up and I said, sir, welcome to welcome to Valvoline. How can we help you today? And she said, I'm a woman. And I said, okay, great, ma'am. We'll, we'll be with you in just a second. <laughs> I turned and just, I was like, man, I, you know, sorry. But I look back on that as embarrassing as it was. I also look back on it and think, well, you know, if you have really short hair and you have the attire of men on, it it's probably shouldn't be surprising if you get confused for a man. Overall in the hair discussion, what I want to say is it doesn't have to be that complicated and it doesn't have to be that we have wooden rules either. Again, the key point is that there are some objective sexual distinctions associated with hair and length, and we are simply trying to be obedient to our sex as it relates to hair. Generally, men should have shorter hair and women longer, and mannish hair on women should be avoided, as is gay or effeminate hair on men. Certainly, anytime your hairstyle confuses people about whether you're a guy or a gal, you've probably crossed the boundary marker some miles ago. Also interesting, I want to highlight now an article from Time, Time Magazine, that bastion of conservative thought. Um, this is what they say about hair length, and this is a historical article. Says, quote, though hair fashions may have changed season to season, the association between women and long hair is an ancient one. It dates back to at least, at least ancient Greek and Roman eras. And according to archaeologist Elizabeth Bartman, even despite the ancient Greek ideal of a bearded, long haired philosopher, women in that society still had longer hair than men. Roman women kept their hair long and tended to part it down the center and a man devoting too much attention to his hair, quote, risk scorn for appearing effeminate, end quote. 
The Bible carried on the same tradition. Anthony Sinnott, a sociologist who has written that hair is a personal symbol with immense social significance, found these implications in, for example, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, again, which we've quoted. Uh, Kurt Sten, author of Hair, A Human History, says, it is almost universally culturally found that women have longer hair than men. Now I want to conclude by quoting an article that appeared in Table Talk from Ligonier Ministries. I think this is a helpful thought, a helpful place for us to wrap up this episode. In 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle finishes his thoughts on the subject with another appeal to creation. He notes that if one looks at nature, it is a glory for women to have a covering because women, according to nature, have long hair. Long, of course, has meaning only in comparison to something shorter. For example, an inch of hair is long compared to half an inch of hair, and 12 inches of hair is long in comparison to 6 inches of hair. Thus, Paul is not prescribing a fixed length of hair for men or women, but he is simply noting that nature shows us, generally speaking, that women have longer hair and that the possession of longer hair shows that it is proper for them to wear a covering in worship. Nature itself informs us how things ought to be. End quote. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. We definitely appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. Do want to make you aware you can join now today for as little as $10 a month. If you join at the $10 a month tier, you get a Hard Men Slunk Eggs coffee mug. We will send that to you completely free of charge. You can also buy that in the store for $24.95. But hey, sign up at the $10 tier. You can support this show and the work that we're doing here at New Christendom Press. And we will send that mug to you again, free of charge. Also, want to let you know there is a link in the show notes for Barbell Logic. You can sign up today. Get your deadlift over 300 pounds, not three digits, but over 300 pounds. Sign up. You can find a trainer. They'll pair you with a trainer. First month is always free. So definitely recommend checking that out. Become stronger. Extend your lifespan and your health span. Check the link for Barbell Logic in the show notes. And again, we thank everyone who is supporting this show. You can check out the other shows as well. Brian Sauvé's music, Pastor Brian. We've got even Dragons. Uh, by the way, if you're a supporter on Brian Sauvé's music Patreon, you could already be listening to Even Dragons. I've already downloaded it. I'm listening to all of it. You can wait, but why wait? Why wait for something as amazing as Even Dragons? Uh, I told Brian the other day, I, I was squatting 315. I was like, I don't think I would have made it had not this music been inspiring me. So get inspired. Check that out. You can slonk your eggs. You can do barbell logic and you can listen to even dragons by pastor Brian. So and then finally, I'll just let you know, there's going to be an after hours, Ryan holidays book. The obstacle is the way that exclusive discussion is for Patreon supporters only. So if you are a Patreon supporter, get excited. And if you're not become one today. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. Until next time, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.